episode bloody 29 of the podcast. I know, someone asked me really recently about it, how it got started, what I hoped would happen with it in the future, did I have any plans? And I will be completely honest, this was only ever intended for clients to listen to. It was only ever meant to be a chance for me to, if you know me, I love a voice note. It was only ever intended to be longer form voice notes just for clients to listen to. But it was getting to the point where I was sending out the same ones over and over again. I needed like a collective space for them to be in. And from that, the podcast was kind of born. So if you want a laugh, go and listen to the first at least 10. Um, thereafter, it maybe is a little bit more exciting. Like today, I am joined by Kevin Duffy of Recomp. This is a really, really good listen. We talk about a broad range of subjects from online coaching, photoshoot prep, dieting, mentalities, etc. etc. If you are currently thinking about doing a photoshoot, particularly, this is very, very applicable to you. So enjoy this chat. So before Kevin goes into a much better and more detailed intro about himself, I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of our chat. So Kevin Duffy of Recomp, and he will outline a little bit more about Recomp's methods, what they do, but they're a fully online service who specialize in body transformations. And as we know, a lot of those in pursuit of those body transformations go down the photoshoot prep line. And if those of you who have been following me the last couple of weeks, you'll know that's a bit of a personal interest at the moment. Again, it's one of these selfish podcasts. No, no, in all seriousness, I wanted to get Kevin on a while ago. Um, we connected over Instagram and I'm an absolute sucker for a collated feed. Not only that, but his content was as good as the aesthetics. And when it comes to design and fitness, when those two go together, magical things happen. And you'll be able to tell within the first five minutes, um, of the chat, how measured Kevin is. Maybe not the first five, we're talking about quitting smoking gum, but after that. And I love hearing coaches who've got their heads screwed on, they talk about their clients' journeys so passionately as well. He talks about what it takes to get photoshoot lean, his own experience, and the recomp step-by-step methods. And it's just a generally, generally great chat and a great guy to listen to. Um, I won't go on too much longer. Please enjoy this chat with Kevin. Um, as ever, if you do find it valuable, which I know loads of you do, you tell me in your sessions and in your messages, etc. The biggest favor you could do is actually to screenshot it and share it or to send it to someone that you think would really enjoy it. So do us a massive favor, share some love and enjoy this chat with Kevin Duffy of Recomp. Hi, Kevin Duffy. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks very much for having me on. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, the day's been pretty fast. I've been pretty focused. Um, I think as we touched on before this, uh, I've been trying some new nootropics and stimulants today. Uh, so I've been messing about with a little bit of nicotine gum, uh, not because I'm trying to quit smoking, but uh, more just to see what the, the focus benefits of it are. So apologies if uh, I, I'm talking a little bit fast on this but <laughs> so you're on the nicotine gum I'm on the energy drink we're just going to be like this is going to go derail <laughs> off piece we're going to be at like double speed no I like the tone of this 100%. <laughs> um, another side benefit as well is I got a, a, a negative or a clear test in terms of the, the COVID today so I'm actually flying out to Cyprus on Sunday so that's been one of those uh, like kind of 
touching touch and go kind of feelings this week with uh, having a bit of stress with whether that was actually going to go ahead or not but we got the clear so good to go oh my goodness well congratulations um you're on holiday amazing mm. well it's not a holiday it'll be a working holiday um but i'm taking my mum and little brother away for a week so we're uh, getting some sun good for you very you're like the golden child that is amazing i think everyone seems to be jetting away at the moment i'm kind of jealous yeah well i mean it's the only place we can go i think last week i booked it uh we booked turkey um because there was no quarantine for that at the time yeah four hours later uh it went on the quarantine list so it was a bit of a scramble last week to get it changed but as it stands we've got what two days to go and i'll be flying out so fingers crossed nothing else changes Fingers crossed, going to get yourself a tan. No, that's amazing. Um, and you mentioned it's going to be a working holiday. We should probably explain why. So, Kevin, you are you, are you but you might know you better as Recomp Online on Instagram. Yep. Maybe this is a nice opener into what it is that you do and um, where people can, can normally find you and what you normally do online. So uh, Recomp Online is actually just short for recomposition. So we're rebranding because uh, recomposition is quite a mouthful. Um, you know, a lot of people don't, uh, don't know how to say it and even less people know how to spell it. So uh, essentially we shortened it to Recomp, but recomposition in its essence is just uh, changing your body shape. So changing what it's made up of. And in a nutshell, that's exactly what I do as a coach. So I take people that are looking to change their shape and we figure out the best route for that. So right now, as we are in the process, we're quite a young company, so as we're in the process of rebranding, we don't actually have a site. It should be done in the next week, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but So right now, you can find me on uh, Instagram at recomp underscore online. And, uh, and essentially, yeah, in a nutshell, we just change people's shapes. You change people's shapes, and in doing so, you change their lives. Kevin, you were, well, you're now an online PT. Um, why don't we go a little bit further back and talk about where you started, your kind of ethos, your mentality towards coaching, that kind of thing. How long have you got? I've been in the industry for, for quite a while. Um, it actually, odd one, I suppose we'll go right back to the, to the start. Like if I was, I was to go back to, to school, I, I never intended to become uh, you know, a personal trainer or, or really anything to do with the fitness industry. Um, it was more just a hobby at the time. Um, I'm naturally a lot more creative than I am like good at any form of uh, training. Um, so my intention was actually to go down uh, the route of architecture um, just because that's where my initial interest lay. Um, my mouth's going to fall. Like, are you serious? Oh, is, it, is, it, is this a similar path? No, I, I have an architecture degree. Oh, really? Yeah, so I did mine at uh, the Glasgow Art School. So oh, seven exactly. years of, I'm not going to say wasted, but it's not. But I'm exactly the same as you. Like, it's all, it was always creative. Training was like the escape from the studio. That's, That's so funny. funny. That's oh, sorry, mm -hmm. you go. So, um, yeah, so, so, um, Basically, I was studying everything in schools for that, you know, doing your higher maths, doing all, like the stuff that I didn't really like just to get to where I wanted to be. But luckily for me, I had a really good English teacher in school and she got me a placement in an architect's office uh, just above, um, well, you know Glasgow well enough, so just mm -hmm. above All Saints is actually the architect's office that made Cali Uni. So they, she got me a placement in there and I hated it. 
like absolutely hated it which is really funny because I've went full circle I actually hated office life and I'm sitting in my own office yeah. now. <laughs> I'm like it's odd how it's went full circle but anyway I just really disliked the whole office environment I couldn't see myself doing that and you know was kind of put off of that didn't really know where to go wasted a year trying to figure out what that was and decided to just pursue something else that I was passionate about um, so fell into training, figured out that you could make a career from doing this uh, through some way or the other. I went to uni, studied sports science, um, got the degree in that, realized that actually the degree means nothing when it comes to personal training, but uh, you know, kind of fell into that. My own interests were more kind of powerlifting based, more strength sports. Uh, ran a, an Olympic lifting club when I was at uni. Um, and then when I actually went into personal training, realised that it wasn't that it wasn't really that fulfilling to get somebody to put an extra ten kilos on the squat or fifteen kilos on the bench. Like as much as it was cool and I enjoy the program right inside of it, like you don't really get that. It doesn't change your life to you know be able to squat ten kilo more. Um, but when it really hit home for me was uh, one of the first clients that I, I ever actually had, uh, Mary. Um, I I taught her how to text during a session which shows you like the like the pace of the session right but uh, maybe about nine months into coaching her she texted me saying that she took the shopping in for the first time in 10 years and I was like this is so much more than like just putting 10 kilos on a squat you know I've actually just like allowed someone to be able to take their own shopping in and do, take the stairs for the first time in like more than a decade you know that's wild like, and that's kind of that led me down to the path of like just general population like joking of public and what sells in that market is changing someone's shape you know as a coach you know it's so much more than that like you know that's the the pathway to actually being able to show them how much more capable they are but originally it starts with like showing them and giving them the tools to be able to change their shape and kind of start identifying their own goals and, and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, really just went into body composition. Um, from there, pursued that to you know what I what I seen as the the kind of top end of the industry at that time. I uh, got a job in London in a gym called Ultimate Performance, which you know at that time was uh, well probably still is the kind of the top of the the industry when it comes to body composition. Um, the intention they initially were going to be opening up in Glasgow when that kind of fell through I moved back to Glasgow because uh, I've been in a, a long-term relationship for the best part of 14 years might have got that wrong but <laughs> hoping uh, hoping I didn't <laughs> but uh, so yeah come back to come back to Glasgow for that um, and then just again worked in like a gym group as a as a normal trainer built that up to a team uh, and then now I've transitioned into the online and that's where Recomp Online is now <laughs> um, because the intention is to, to go traveling and uh, work with a much bigger audience as well. Amazing. So was this transition onto online pushed by COVID or was this always the plan? Was it always a plan to move completely, um, so, completely online now? Yeah, so I'm, I'm completely on the line now, but the the kind of plans were so it's funny actually I, I remember the day that I decided that I was moving online it was um I, I worked for a company originally when I was uh, when I made the transition to online so I was a contractor as a coach um so got the the okay that I was moving online when I was in Madrid last year uh, I think it was late August um 
And then so like from September started moving into the online phasing into it coming coming off the gym floor. Um, early this year, kind of made the decision that I was going to go solo with it. Um, committed to that pretty much as uh, <laughs> as COVID was hitting <laughs> um, and the whole country was locking down. So I basically backed myself to go solo um, and like the next week the whole country went into lockdown and all gyms closed <laughs> so um as the intention and the the kind of the systems and, and the the momentum was already there to be going online um but yeah kind of the i've landed on my feet i suppose because the online industry has just boomed as a result of this so um you could almost say it was like a bit of a crystal ball wasn't it yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was all planned. Absolutely. You knew <laughs> yeah, exactly meant, what we were better. doing. <laughs> Kevin, you mentioned, um, I love what you said about changing people's lives. And I think it would be fair to say your approach to coaching is very much, yes, you're changing body shape, but that's a byproduct of the mindset work that you do with clients, isn't it? Like you're mm -hmm. not all about aesthetics. It's about, okay, well, the background behind that is an awful lot of mindset change. And, you know, the way someone presents themselves physically is, is the byproduct of that. Um, is your demographic generally still a general population or are you gone a little bit more down the kind of athlete route or anything like that? Are you still well, it's uh, still very much gen pop. Uh, so when I, when I initially mapped out the transition to online, uh, you know, I sat down, wrote out the business plan, and uh, and kind of said, right, this is the this is the avatar of who I want to work with. Um, but the, it's it never pans out that way. Like you know, you, you can plan all you want, um, but you, you kind of have to you have to respect what's there. Um, and the reality is, the service that I provide appeals to pretty much everybody that's wanting to change the shape. So you know, it's not a case of. Uh, I don't have any interest in working with people that are wanting to like prep for a show or anything like that or you know it's not um it's not just the average person that's wanting to lose like one or two kilos most people that come from me are at, like work with me or contact me are really looking to just like get the most out of everything so when it comes to like changing the shape changing like getting in the best shape of their life is essentially what my uh, motto so to speak would be get you in the best shape of your life and then teach you how to stay there um so I suppose that's the demographic is kind of broad in terms of I work with people from all walks of life, but the the main intention for working with me is almost almost exactly the same every time, as much as the reason may change, you know. Yeah, so true. actually the kind of people that are attracted towards you are naturally fairly driven. They, they want the outcome and they want to. And how long would you typically work with someone then to get them in, you know, from start to finish? If someone were to approach you, how long would you kind of work with them? And then what's the plan? after that happens yeah i mean that's a really good question actually the there's no hard and fast answer to that though because essentially you know it, it depends on how long the individual's journey is if someone's got you know five kilos to lose it's going to be much shorter than someone who's got 10 20 30 kilos to lose mm -hmm. um but ultimately what we do is we, we assess the current uh, starting point for our client and then we say right okay well where do you want to be um, sometimes clients don't actually even know that you know they've maybe not been in the shape that they want to be in ever in their life before so they don't really know what that actually is um, so we'd help figure figure out like a general idea of what it is they're looking for map that out as a journey but then be very very clear about that part is just the diet phase that's just the initial part 
So once you get to that goal, that's not the goal, that's a checkpoint. So then you need to look at the bigger picture, which is where most people actually go. Because almost everybody that I work with has dieted successfully to an extent in the past. And then they yo-yo back up and down and, and you know, they're kind of in that vicious cycle year on year. But if you flip the narrative straight away and actually look at the whole picture, which is identifying where you are, get to where you want to be, figure out how to reverse out of that and get rid of the, the kind of diet habits. Because by its very nature, a diet should have an endpoint, or else you would, you know, whittle down to zero on the scale, which you know is not going to happen. Um, so we need to figure out where where you want to stop the scale going down, where you feel at your most comfortable, where you feel at your most content, and then we need to put in place like the reverse diet side of things. So we use like a four phase approach just to give a bit of clarity with it. Um, we would we take someone through the primer phase, which is basically just establishing habits, like building a foundation of good habits that's going to allow us to diet properly. Typically, that takes a couple of weeks, so you know, two three weeks for for most people. From there, once we've got that good foundation, we just transition straight into a diet phase. Now, this bit is entirely dependent on how much that client's got to lose. So, for some people, that can be three months. For some others, it can be six, nine, twelve. Depends on on really uh, how much you've got to lose. Now, once we get to that checkpoint of they're in the best shape, when they're at their most comfortable, they're at their most confident. We then start the reverse diet, and this is these are the three phases that I say that are absolutely compulsory. I I will not take a client on if they don't like understand that we're going to be doing a little bit of work after the diet, because what we want to do is actually teach them how to sustain that start reversing them into a sustainable approach so we keep the body weight where it is and we start moving food up and we start moving you back up to maintenance and taking you out of diet habits then from there we have a conversation of like what do you want to do with the rest of training because you can't go back to like your previous normal entirely you can figure out what your new i hate this phrase because it's so current but what your new normal is you know um and for some people that's training because they love it for other people it's like okay we can train once or twice a week and then maybe play badminton three times a week you know or, or walk your dog twice a day like we figure out what it is for you um i I call that the performance phase. So basically we figure out, you know, if you're just moving into a performance phase, you know, are you finished with your physique transformation or you want to put on a little bit of muscle? You know, Instagram's definitely made that much easier for me to sell to, to most females now as well. You know, every female wants to grow a set of glutes now. Um, whereas previously when I started, that was, uh, you know, muscle gain was a, was a phrase that no female wanted to hear. Um, but now it's, you know, it's a, it's a really easy thing to map out. So we essentially just get clear on what you're going to be doing in the gym post diet to actually uh, take it further or just maintain it. Magical maintenance. <laughs> the joys, the mythical beast there. I know because well, you're completely right and I agree with everything that you said is that, yes, I do believe wholeheartedly that a lot of people have a good grasp on what it takes to diet. The problem is what you do once you've gotten there. How do you, how do you transition? And actually it's so, so interesting that you will take someone on. Do you tell them the structure in advance? Yeah, yeah, so uh, we call it the roadmap. So essentially I give you a little document that runs you through how we operate as a company and it just makes it really, really clear. Um, So I probably have maybe a longer um, client journey just simply because I, I tell them straight off the bat, you know, I work with people for a lot longer than typically most trainers do. Um, and that's because I, I tell them from day one, it's not just about getting you to there. It's about 
teaching you and equipping you with the, the tools that you need to stay there. Um, so that essentially you don't ever need a coach again, you know, um, whether you want to continue working with one is entirely up to you, but you should never need one. Um, so with that, it really just comes down to, to actually mapping it out and being really, really clear um, from day one. And I suppose that is probably where, like, the, the, the three, three, tongue twisted, the three main things that we actually uh, excel, I suppose, is clarity, regardless of what, that's, what that is. That can be your training plans, nutrition plans, um, you know, your expenditure plans, like whatever that is that we're touching on. Um, accountability, accountability, and then... Um, knowledge as well like if you give all three of those as your cornerstone of like a good coaching service like the client kind of understands the what they need to actually stay in shape by the end of the service yeah absolutely i totally agree with you because the dynamic can change can't it like the whole Mm. point is that you become you're almost the yoda as in you're sitting back and you're giving all the information and educating and then actually there becomes an interesting point when the relationship changes and then it becomes a collaboration and like an invested, yeah, it is that. It's a collaboration on your client's journey. Maybe they want to, you know, put on a little bit more muscle, as you were saying. Maybe they want to explore, you know, heavier lifts in the gym after they get to this like dream body. Um, yeah. And that's where it becomes really interesting, I think. And th- th- that's one of the things that you, like, this is really apparent actually when you work with clients on the gym floor uh, because you see them in person you see even just the way they hold themselves um but you can see that like the confidence with someone that goes through like you know quote unquote a transformation they hold themselves different because they view themselves differently um and the person that comes to you in day one and asks for you know a stone off um may not be the same well definitely isn't the same person that you know maybe when they're hitting like a stone and a half two stone off the confidence to even ask for more grows as well, like more from themselves, but also more from you. They, like, so actually what you can see is a client's goal sometimes evolves even before they've actually hit the first goal, you know, uh, because they're like, actually, I'm starting to believe in this. I'm believing in myself and you can, it kind of snowballs to an extent. So, um, you know, I think we'll probably end up talking about shoots uh, or photo shoots quite a, quite a lot during this, but it's not something that I ever say straight away from a client, but it's something that, you know, maybe a few weeks in or the, the client asks about it or you know it's like there's definitely like a further step for them as well um but it's very rare that people come in and say right i want to do a photo shoot and you know we take it to this so it's interesting to see the clients the goals evolve and and even even just the different skill sets as well like when someone's like day one brand new you kind of have to show them everything and, and run them through it and maybe teach them it in two or three different ways and then once they've got the basics down, it's more enabling them to come to their own conclusions uh, rather than like just being a trainer to them uh, and dictating everything that they need to do. It's like, right, okay, let's have this conversation. You know, yeah, what, what would you do? Um, so. 100%. And from my female clients, I even notice it in the, the gym wear that they start to come <laughs> into their sessions in. Like you see it there, you know, they turn up on the first day and it's the big baggy t-shirt and the, and the leggings and absolutely, and, you know, give them a couple of months and it's like, they're all donned out in like CrossFit, like tiny shorts. Like yeah. you can even tell um, from that side of things. The questioning also starts to change. And um, I have clients after a while who start to really question what they're doing rather than be than listening all the time. You know, why are we doing this? What about this? What do you, and that to me and that 
illustration of independent thought is one of these kind of non-scale weight victories that I'll talk to them a lot about of what they're starting to think a lot more independently and yeah. um, they're starting to question what they're doing and you know just take on board what you're saying but also put it into their own context which I think is super yeah, super that's super super useful and, and that's one of the things that even the structure in terms of like the different phases that we've got actually takes into consideration so in that prime phase like i'm very prescriptive very descriptive about exactly what you need to do like here here are the boxes um xyz tick these off um this minimizes the amount of like decisions you need to make on a daily basis it minimizes any guesswork for the client they don't really even need to think it's like you know the biggest decision is like what like what day they're going shopping and when they're going to get their food in rather than like what am I going to eat and how much am I going to eat and how am I cooking it is you know we we try and minimize all the decisions but then that's the starting point that's the foundation that then allows you to start building the knowledge and building the routines for them to then ask questions and add add variety and and explore different methods you know whether that be like a different diet system whether that be a different uh, like food structure what you know but this all comes from like having a foundation that's actually conducive to you moving in the right direction first. So this is, it's quite funny actually, because there's a big, uh, there's a big movement. I don't know if you've noticed this or if it's just what I'm seeing on, on my kind of social media feed, but there's a really big movement at the minute that's like against meal plans. Um, and it's like, you know, demonizing them and saying that, you know, as coaches, we can give you like, you know, the ability to go out and enjoy your favorite foods. And the reality is like meal plans have their place. And for a lot of people having taken the guesswork out of it can, can work really, really well initially. Yeah. But it's a tool that's only ever designed to be used short term and then evolved, you know? Um, whereas like if you, should, if you take a day one client that doesn't really know how to work an iPhone and try and show her how to use MyFitnessPal, <laughs> like, yeah, all right, you could, she can eat a bit of pizza, but it's probably not the right thing to do. Absolutely. No, I'm completely, I'm sitting here nodding because I'm, I literally have this in a big heading at the top of nutrition plans. Meal plans are there for a couple of reasons. One, it gives you a starting point. If I give you a baseline, let's just pick numbers out there here, you know, eat 2000 calories and hit 120 grams of protein, that's going to take you a week or so to figure out what that actually is. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, why on earth? That's not what you're you're paying me to get your results faster. I'm supposed to be speeding up the process for you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like the meal plan is there to give you a blueprint. Do I want you to eat exactly what's on this for weeks and weeks and weeks? Of course not. But let's give you a starting point. Let's give you something to work from. From there, is it my intention that you then start to adapt and tweak that? Of course. Yeah. But I also love a meal plan from up the point of view of life gets really busy, right? Life gets super, super busy. It gets hectic. You can't always be, oh, where's my barcode? Let me just scan it. Right? Yeah, it might not happen. Your meal plan is there as your safety net. Like if you can't get to, you know, you can't track, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just refer to your meal plan. Follow it. It's there for a reason. So I actually completely agree with you. They have their place. Are they the be all and end all? No. But Definitely not. No. And that's the thing. Like if you look at that and, you know, in a continuum or almost like a spectrum, like if you look at, someone that's day one if you're giving them like a meal plan you're giving them complete clarity and almost taking that like decision overwhelm away from them um then teaching them how to adjust meal plans and then teaching them how to use like tools that my fitness pal then actually you know the the, mo the main step that a lot of people actually forget is my fitness pal is also a tool that should be taken away at some point uh, you know and once once you then start to take that away it's like maybe you're tracking 
twice a, twice a week and then taking that away even further to the point where you're actually intuitively eating. Because most people don't actually like to follow a diet system for the rest of their life. They should. You just want to change your habits enough that you actually stay in shape. Now, don't get me wrong, there's time and place to be really, really rigid with whatever system you use. Um, going for a photo shoot is, is probably not the best time to intuitively eat, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we need a little bit more accuracy. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like when, you, when you know all of the spectrum and the tools, then it's, it's just playing the right one at the right time, really, isn't it? And that's, I suppose that's what coaching is. It's, Exactly, it's having that experience, isn't it? And applying it to the right kind of client because it's always mm -hmm. going to be that um, that element of it. This segues very, very nicely. Photoshoot prep, something I'm very interested in at the moment for personal reasons, but also because I have a lovely group of ladies gearing up for their first photoshoot. Um, this is something that you, well, you mentioned actually, you take people through photoshoots, but not through prep. As mm. a competition preps. Why? Yeah, um, so one, I've never done a competition. So I, I, I feel like if you're ever going to coach something, you should have walked the walk yourself. Um, I don't have any interest in standing on stage. So I'm, you know, I'm never really going to take that. And I've got a lot of good friends in the industry who I trust wholeheartedly that if you came to me as a client wanting to do a competition, I would just refer you to them. Um, big shout out to my man, Ben Miller. <laughs> I always, I always pronounce his second name wrong so I'm going to call him Ben Muller <laughs> uh, but you know it, it, it's it's knowing what your your kind of your skill set and your niche and your own interest to an extent as a coach lies um, so for myself like I never really used to push photo shoots at all um, you know I my first experience with a photo shoot was doing my my own one um, and it, it was actually initially not through wanting to do a photo shoot. It was more just because I was getting a website designed and I wanted to get some pretty high quality images of me shirtless, uh, you know, looking more authoritative, looking the part, so to speak. Um, so I'd done that and uh, I didn't really click to this at the time, but it actually did make me feel like I deserved the authority side of it more because I was like, yeah, you look the part, you've, you've kind of got it. And didn't really realize the, the difference in mindset off the back of that, which I'll, I'll touch on in a second. But um, then, you know, I took a couple of clients through it, uh, got to got to kind of understand how to take clients through it a lot, like just through experience, really. Um, but it was mostly clients just coming to me that had been training for, you know, like five, ten years and just hadn't really got to that kind of shape yet. Um, and seen me do it and went, I want to do this. So I was like, right, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take you through it, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we were still much younger as a company then, but uh, the, the interest was there in terms of taking someone through it, but I hadn't really put the pieces of the puzzle together in terms of how much of an impact it can have on the person. Um, and that really actually only clicked in the last like year from, well, early this year um, in February. So when I transitioned to online last year, I took a client through, um, through a photo shoot prep, uh, my client Anant went down to London and the first time I met him was at his photo shoot and um, seeing the difference in him as a person from when he when he like was doing the shoot to start with to when he's seen his first photo, it was literally like night and day, the second he seen that first photo was like 
he then believed that he was in shape and he was in good enough shape to be standing there in front of the camera commanding that and I was like well holy shit that's literally a different person from two minutes ago like what's happening there uh, and I kind of like that clicked to how I felt as well when I seen the photos I was like all ah, right okay like your own identity to an extent is actually like no I'm actually the person that's fit enough to be in photo shoot condition and I've seen that like now having taken quite a lot of people through that and, and kind of starting to piece it together, I actually can see the difference in how much people are then identify with being the fit person. And that that's something that's really, really important for being able to stay in shape because you actually see yourself as that kind of person rather than just the person that's trying to get in shape, you know? Monster uh, syndrome. Like, no, you're yeah, actually absolutely. you're actually there. Um, Kevin, what is there any characteristics um that kind of present themselves of these clients that you take through? Is there anything that they typically have or do you know what I mean by that? Like any person? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so this is, it's funny this actually, because the first few clients that I took through a shoot, um, I actually thought it was a personality type that was suited to, towards doing a shoot, you know? Um, so the first few guys that had done it were all like very driven in their own career. Um, they were actually very corporate based as well. And it was like, and it was it was very much for an aesthetic reason they wanted to you know show that they could do the toughest thing you could do in the gym and be the, the you know the kind of peak of it um so i thought that that type of personality was going to be the type that excels in this uh, in the shoot but actually having worked with a few people that aren't like that now i can see that it's actually not that the characteristic that, that's most common about anybody that gets into photo shoot condition is they actually have a they have to have a good enough reason to get in shape and that's actually something that people overlook because if somebody comes to you and says they want to get in shape, that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually want to get in shape. You know, like uh, an analogy I use for that quite a lot is like most guys, you know, want to drive a Lamborghini, but actually they don't want to live the life that allows them to drive a Lamborghini, you know, and it's, it's, it's the same when it comes to a photo shoot, you know, the, having a good enough reason to take it to that extent is actually the fundamental characteristic that, that, that everybody that does it successfully actually has to have, you know, and that for some people that can be like the vanity reason of getting in shape and that means enough to them and that's totally fine. But for other people, it could be like uh, a good example of this. that's nothing to do with that was uh, one of my clients, kids called him fat dad at sports day. And that hurt his emotions, like that hurt his feelings enough that he then had enough motivation to get into photo shoot condition because he didn't want to be fat dad. And like, Oh my yeah. god, kids are brutal, aren't they? <laughs> <Savage kid. laughs> I was like, oh well god. done. <laughs> Texting all my uh, my clients' partners, being like, tell the kid to say this. <laughs> <laughs> so you there is that one kind of there's the reason why. Um so everyone has a big kind of motivator behind them in doing that. Um is there any kind of if someone wanted to get into it without putting like a massive red flag? on photo shoot prep if say someone was completely new to the process they'd never done it before what would be the advice that you'd give them just to make sure I'm, I'm grasping this one right do you mean like words against it or just like like i mean it's probably or... i think it's fair to say it's probably the best and yet the hardest thing you will ever do yeah, hundred percent. And that, I suppose that really just comes down to actually as a coach being transparent about what's required for it. So I've had a few clients actually ask me to do a shoot and I've just outright told them that they're not ready yet um, because their adherence levels aren't at a high enough level that 
that they're actually going to be able to achieve it at this time. And that's totally fine. Like, that's not, I'm not telling you that you're not good enough. I'm just telling you that actually we need a more solid foundation. Um, and the reality is to get into shoot shape, it's just a more extreme version of what you do to lose weight. Um, so, you know, it's still the same boxes that you're ticking. You still need a calorie deficit. You still need, so like, you still need to follow a nutrition strategy. You still need to follow a training strategy. You still need, you know, steps and cardio. All these boxes are the exact same. You just need to do more of it, which means that it's going to consume more of your energy, more of your life. And it has to be a worthwhile trade-off for you. But if you're not already ticking those boxes to a lesser extent, then you're not going to be able to tick them to a further extent unless you need something to scare you, which I, I would never really try and use a shoot as a goal to scare someone into ticking these boxes, you know? Um, so just, I would say the, the kind of forewarning of it is just make sure you've actually got a solid foundation in what you're doing already, because if you've not already got some momentum in the right way, then you're probably not going to enjoy the prep for a shoot. <laughs> exactly. And that's the whole point. You need to actually enjoy it, don't you? You won't be able to do it unless you are kind of relaxed in the knowledge that, yes, this is going to be tough, but the outcome is worth that struggle. I yeah. think so it's kind of yeah. and, it, and that's the thing. That's where growth comes from. Like quite a lot of quite a lot of clients tell me that the easiest part of the diet, like the toughest part physically is like the few weeks before it. But actually, the easiest part mentally is actually the couple of weeks before it because they're so invested in that. It is such a like all-consuming goal that actually it's like at the forefront of their mind you know whereas as much as it's difficult it's actually like it's such a weird thing to describe until you've actually done it but it's difficult but easy at the same time if you know what I mean like um it's a weird one if, um, if anyone's listening to this and they've absolutely no idea what we're talking about actually so when it comes to um photoshoot prep how long are you typically talking let's let's go averages here how long would you prep for um so I usually map out initially a one percent drop so this is quite a, it's quite a, a tough one to say because it depends on where you start. But um, I most on the most part, I wouldn't prep someone like for like a six to eight week one because you would really need to go hard. That said, I'm actually doing that right now because I've got a client that came with about four weeks worth of work to do. And we've done it over six weeks nice and comfortably because she came to me already in fantastic shape. You know, I had almost nothing to do with her. But um, just so that we've got a, a kind of idea of it, essentially what I would do is, is figure out where you're at, figure out what body weight you think you're going to be in the best shape of. Take a couple more kilos off it because it's probably a couple more kilos um, and then from there map that out in a kind of 1% drop per week. Now for average clients it's about half a percent to 1% drop per week. For people that are in photo shoot prep we typically go on the more aggressive side um, and then for you know people that are wanting to get like ridiculously lean for a photo shoot um, which not all of the guys that I've done like that's another thing as well you don't need to get incredibly lean for it you know you just need to be feeling at your best um, but with that you know the guys that are getting incredibly lean uh, the last couple of kilos is typically a half percent because it's much harder to lose the last little bit um, so I, I, I kind of map that out depending on where that is so on average my clients will take like between three and five months to to get in a, a shoot shape but that's because the, the conversation only really starts when they're in shooting distance from it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So you've actually done a lot of the groundwork before yeah. then, for sure. Okay, so we we have our our time frame is in check, basically. Then what else do you need to be doing? Training, steps, and nutrition. 
if you're getting someone, say you're taking 12 weeks to get someone in photo shape, how would you approach each of those? It's, it's funny as well, because I think quite a lot of people think there's secrets to this, uh, and there's really not. <laughs> it's essentially we just need to make sure that those boxes that you suggested there are actually like aligned on a consistent basis. So one of the one of the main things that I, I kind of run through is like we call them your non-negotiables, right, which is your action points that you need to, to tick to get in in the shape that you want to be in. Um, and, you know, without doing these, you won't get there. So what we do is we lay out the action points. We say, right, OK, this is the. This is the rate in which we're going to progress. Here's your action points. Your action points are stick to your nutrition strategy, whatever that is. You know, that could be a 10, 20, 30% deficit, whatever it actually is for you. Um, typically, it will get more aggressive as the diet goes along, but only in relation to you needing to make adjustments. You know? um, then you've got your, your training plan. For most males, for example, that would be, I'd put a lot more training volume around the shoulder girdle. So chest, shoulders, upper back, arms. In a photo shoot, that's just going to exaggerate that V-taper look for them. Um, we set a frequency that they can adhere to as well. So typically it will be between four or five times a week. Um, then the steps side of things, we would map out, uh, again, something that's going to allow us to drop at that 1% per week. I very rarely would see anybody under 10,000 <laughs> maximum I've kind of ever taken anybody like without uh, them already having quite an active lifestyle anyway is like up to 20,000, which is a time consuming amount of steps. Um, but it's also a very, very good way to make sure that the weight's still trending whilst you get to eat a lot of food. Um, and then underneath that is just like formal cardio as well. So these are our four main things. It's looking at your nutrition intake, looking at your training plan, looking at your steps, and then looking at your cardio. And then all we do is we ramp them up depending on what we can get away with. So for some people, if they've got a really busy lifestyle that isn't going to allow them to get 20,000 steps, I'm going to have to take more food off them. Yeah. You know, um, and for other people, the... You know, they could be they could be a student cutting for Ibiza, uh, and I I've got all the time in the world because they're off uni, and I I can just ramp the steps up or or give them more cardio in the gym, or you know, we can get them training more frequent. So it's quite a tough one to actually tell you what it's going to look like without knowing the person. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's the point. That it has to be this bespoke experience, doesn't it? Because it's completely dependent on on the client themselves and you know where their limits are, what their lifestyle allows for. Are there any? I'm going to point this because I know my girls will want to know in relation to females specifically. What are the common barriers that you'll often come up against with clients, if there are any? You know, I actually wouldn't say that there's more that's def like different from males to females, um, other than. Typically, most females that I train are a bit more introspective, a little bit more in touch with their emotions. Guys will kind of just like maybe not admit it to themselves and just kind of ignore, ignore it and just maybe get on with it until they don't get on with it. Whereas females will maybe see a problem before it's happened and then tell you that it's going to be a problem before it's happened. Uh, I know that's a general st like stereotype right there, but um, typically they are very much more in touch with their emotions and introspective, which can be a really good thing, but also can be a negative as well. But on the most part, both males and females will be very much seeing the same problems. Um, so I suppose I, I could run through common problems, but almost every one of them comes from either a lack of knowledge 
a lack of the right strategy or a lack of preparation. Um, and again, it really all comes back down to the main boxes that need to be ticked. So like if we use nutrition, for example, like a common, a common barrier to that would be like social nights out, uh, you know, getting invited to, to this night out. So we then might look at different strategies when it comes to like, can we afford to bank calories throughout the week to spend on this night out? Do you have the right attitude going into it? So um, are you there for the social event rather than the food? Um, you know, uh, are you comfortable saying no to the event in the first place? Like, do you actually want to go? Um, so we could have that conversation, you know, because if I feel that a client doesn't actually have the backbone or the skill set to say no, I'll challenge them to say no to that event. Just simply like, even if they could afford to go, I'll be like, you need to have the skill set to know when you need to say no. Um, and equally, they also like, so, but again, if, if they can say no, but they want to go, like it's a big event, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, the, the 30th birthday or something like, I'm like, right, yeah, I'm, we're going to allow this, but here's the strategy. So we then give them the knowledge on how to like bank calories or buffer the day, like, so restructure the day so that they're not like exceeding the, their energy balance for the week. And then like other things as well, like a missed session, for example, that can, that can quite easily be, uh, that can quite easily happen because something's come up on the day. So like, a, a, that's not really a barrier. It's just a challenge. Like uh, in your, well, the easiest thing would actually just be to look at the, the perspective of it. And it's a case of, right, well, if we look at training on a 14 day split, if you've got eight sessions to do in 14 days, you've not missed a session this week. You just need to restructure it over the next, these next two weeks. And that like knowledge actually just allows them to ease up and still stay on track. And then the same, the same thing with like steps, for example, like if people miss out the steps because, you know, I don't know, like say someone's kid has just picked up a new hobby. They used to do the steps at night. Now they're taking their kid to like netball practice or something. I'm like, right, okay, well, we need to change the strategy. You need to do like 4K before you go to work now. You know, so these, these are all the common things that we see. Um, and then the, probably the biggest one that's actually, I would say that these are challenges because you, they've all got solutions to it. You know, it's like you can, you can literally just plug and play the solutions depending on the person's situation. But the actual kind of barriers to it, I would say, are probably really all down to motivation side of things. And, and, and I don't mean that motivation as in like, the you know the, the way that people throw that word about like i need to be you know rah rah cheerleader motivation it's like you're talking about intrinsic motivation aren't you like yeah like more the more the desire to do what you're wanting to do and there's two main things that i always see with that and that's really again coming coming back to that reason that clear why and most people that i actually start with don't actually have have not spent the time to understand why they want to do it so if I, inevitably, you see a client struggle at some point with motivation because it's not that exciting to do the same work day in, day out, you know. So actually, one thing that I always tell clients to do is spend uh, 30 minutes at least, typically a little bit longer, uh, with the phone on flight mode and write down why it's important to them. And then once they've done that, write down why that's important to them and then keep doing that until they actually get to the root reason of why it's actually important to them. You know, like I've, I've done that at the start of lockdown with uh, why Recomp had to be, had to be an, a success. And it's allowed me to like work ridiculous amounts of hours, <laughs> like, like 16 hour days consistently, seven days a week for the last six, seven months, you know, which is why we've grown to the extent that we are, because I got really clear on my reason for doing the work that needs to be done, yeah. uh, which then makes it feel easier to do. 
And then the second one is actually looking at your environment. Um, so like if you're constantly being challenged with your motivation, like you may need to look at your environment and change it. And sometimes that can be as simple as you've got cookies in the house and they're always on the worktop and actually you need to move them to like a drawer that's not that accessible. Or other times it actually can be changing the people that are in your life. And that's a, that's a tougher one to do, you know. Um, but, you know, for most people, it's, it's changing the cookies. You know? Yeah, no, <laughs> you're really part of them. Because you need to have that support network, don't you? And whether that be your actual physical environment and how, you know, how much pressure is on you from external sources, whether you're getting the right support that you need. Um, it's all really, really important because it is a commitment. It's a huge, I think we're, if someone is taking it incredibly seriously and they really want to get in the best shape of their life, I think we can both agree like it is a difficult thing to do. Yeah, um, and it will, I mean, I don't think people should shy away that it will consume a, a lot, lot. A large portion of their energy, a large portion of their life, you know, and, and for, for that time anyway. Um, and it kind of, this is the thing, like, regardless of whether that's a photo shoot or whether that's just getting in shape when you've never been in shape before, um, there has to be that front end effort, that front end investment to, to kind of learn how to do this in the first place. Um, you know, especially if you've spent years on the opposite path, um, you know, neglecting your health, neglecting uh, everything that comes with it. There's a lot of work to be undone with that. And that does require that initial investment. And if you've got an environment that's like not conducive to that, it can be, it can make the job a lot harder. Um, you know, even, again, to use myself as an example there, like, I was getting really bad cabin fever after you know six months of working from home. Uh, so I, literally, like I, I knew that was happening. I could feel it starting to drain my productivity. So then now little recomp HQ yeah. in the office, uh, you know, <laughs> rented a space because um, not to have an office, not to have a financial drain, but more just to create an environment that I know that when I walk in this door, all I'm here to do is work, you know? So um, that's actually one of the biggest things that, uh, a lot of people were impacted with when lockdown hit was you, you never really go to the gym to do anything other than work out so when you when that environment was taken away a lot of people actually just couldn't get into the routine of training from home um yeah which is which is interesting and actually it's funny because like there's an odd amount of different like lessons to be learned from this lockdown as a coach and one of the biggest things that uh that helped me with that is I had a bit of a head start knowing that it was coming because one of my clients was in Kenya and they went into like full lockdown weeks before us. So I was like, right, I need to get like a few strategies in place just in case. Um, and one of the, one of the things that when it hit in, uh, when it hit in the UK, basically I had this one question for clients and it was like, what if this was it? What if this was forever? It's not something that's transient. You have to do this for the rest of your life. How are we going to treat it? And that changed the game for a lot of people because they just changed their perspective and they were like, right, now I need to create an environment um, rather than like waiting for the, the right time. And we touched on this briefly just before we jumped on the call that actually there were amazing results during that time. Like it's actually been incredible what people have been able to do. Yeah. And in terms of for the online coaching game, clients are so open now to the different ways that training is available to them. And I think a lot of people surprised themselves about what they could do over that time. Um, yeah. And it really did kind of, I think intrinsic motivation became 
a massive thing because I wasn't standing over you counting your reps and I wasn't there the whole time saying, okay, now we're going to do this. Now, like you had to dig deep and do yep. it yourself. The girls will know I'm talking to them, but it's like, and that was the point where I think it changed for a lot of people. Yeah. That's actually one of the main benefits that I like for like from encouraging someone to do a shoot is not that, one they get to capture that moment of them looking and feeling at the best which is fantastic but to get to that shape there has to be this nobody gets there by accident and there has to be this level of self-accountability that 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 you can hold yourself to that standard you can hold yourself to the task at hand and that actually but that permeates like through all things it's not just fitness like you quite often like a lot of the time uh, not that i'm trying to plug my service or anything but actually quite a lot of the time like this will be the spark for people to then get promotions in their job uh, and, and and like you know just level up in all aspects of life and it's not it's not the training that's doing it it's the ability to, of what the training and, and and kind of reverse engineering a goal and then working towards it they actually see that they're in control of what they what they take from life quite a lot of the time you know and that, that's a that's a pretty big thing <laughs> so it's life-changing i've had promotions um relationships have improved family lives have improved like all these things and you just think you know it's not just a couple of squats in the gym it's just what no, it's really not, is, it? like and it's it's a complete game changer yeah. um kevin is there anyone who should not do a photo shoot anyone who it's not a good idea <laughs> Yes, I probably would suggest that you avoid it if you've got any underlying issues with food, um, just simply because the level of control needed uh, and usually the level of restriction needed as well that comes with it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna be a, a good match really. Um, it's gonna exaggerate underlying issues. So I would definitely, you know, if you have any negative um, issues around food, uh, then I probably wouldn't suggest that you do it. Um, you'd be better suited to actually just looking at a more holistic like habit change rather than you know something so aggressive as a shoot yeah yeah and please understand i ask that only because i think it's important it, responsible coaching is a big thing for me um and you actually touched on it earlier on that you won't take on clients unless you can kind of take them into this reverse stage whereby you've gotten them down, but you also then equip them with the tools they need to actually stay down there, down there in their, you know, kind of goal weight. And I think that's just such a, a responsible attitude that doesn't always happen um, yeah. in the fitness space. Like it's so easy to give someone an eight week plan, get them to cut loads of carbs, loads, loads of weight, and then just, yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, and I'm not going to sit here and, uh, and make that sound like that's coming from a moral high ground that's coming from experience of me messing that up years and years ago you know um as, as we kind of touched on before the, the call i've been in and around coaching for 11 years now and the first like the, the way in which i structure a client's journey now has evolved for me actually becoming more experienced as a coach um seeing the problems that people face and realizing actually there needs to be a solution in place and actually sometimes they need to know that solution well in advance because when you sometimes when you're in a forest you know you can't see the tree or you can't see the forest for the trees so to speak um but the the kind of main thing with that is i think we must be going back about five six years maybe was the first time I took someone into like proper photo shoot condition. Um, he actually didn't do a photo shoot. He just wanted to see how far he could take training. 
Um, I thought she wasn't anything in his goals, but it was the leanest I'd ever got anybody. And he was one of the easiest clients to work with because he was just like every I was dotted, every T was crossed, very robotic, kind of light switch mentality. You know that you know the client type. Like you could ask him to run at a wall and he'd ask you how many times, how fast, you know, that, that kind of uh, made me look like a good coach. But at that time, I didn't really... I didn't. I had never taken anybody to that depth of a diet, so I didn't realise like the negatives that can come with it. So therefore, when I done when I done that, the job was done. Like I had done my job as a coach. I was like, right, okay, we've both done a really good job here. And it wasn't until like about three months later when I seen him on the street. So we the way that it worked, uh, the gym that I worked in was like in the heart of the finance district, and I seen him uh, just outside the Starbucks down the street on Bobwell Street, and he was like, "You've put more weight on than what we." what you had when we started working together I thought we had this dialed in like and and I realized like rather than being like I'm going to blame him for this I realized that actually that might have been a mistake in the service and now I need to figure out how to equip people to come back out of it safely and that's when I started realizing actually I'm not taking you on for such an extreme extreme goal unless you're willing to do the work on the other side of it because it doesn't feel good when you see a client that's basically just undone all of the work that you've taught them you know so that's where that came from. I, I won't I won't say that it came from a moral high ground. It came from that feeling of being like, oh shit, I've actually done something wrong here. You know, <laughs> have course. you got any personal experience of kind of like a reverse diet gone wrong? Uh, not not really. Well, <laughs> I've got a really good experience of it, but it was intentional. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was like maybe 22, 23 at the time. And uh, I intentionally put four stone on and got as fat as I could within eight weeks. Um, and the reason for that was I had never really understood the weight loss side of things um, because I was never really like, you know, overweight at any point. And I was trying to understand from a client perspective, like what that feels like to go through that journey. So I spoke to Jade pre, uh, pre agreed that it was okay for me to get as fat as I could. And, uh, and yeah, I just ate junk foods aggressively. It was the hardest diet I've ever done actually. Uh, aggressively for eight weeks uh you know i was having boxes of cereal six rolls and eggs for breakfast like masqueraders donuts post-workout horrendous it made me feel terrible but um it made me understand what a client goes through when they have to you know have to lose weight um i had a nice nice little set of moves at the end of it it's horrendous i'll need to send you the photo at some point it's it's not a, it's not a pretty sight but uh, it gave me a better understanding of of kind of what a client went through um i had to preface that with all my clients like i'm i'm not actually just letting this go i'm <laughs> i know what i'm doing here i love uh, that you had to get sign off from the other half as well like, <laughs> yeah, well, come on, like yeah, it's fair, well, fair is fair, isn't it? Um, but the, so that, done that. And, but then outside of that, like I've never really, I've never been one that's, I've always been comfortable to be able to take my top off without abs as well, as well as being in photoshoot condition or, you know, like I would have no issue. Like I've not dieted for this holiday in two days and I, like I'm in good shape. Like I, I still look probably, I'll probably still look in one of the best shapes on a beach or by the poolside, but like I've never really had a, a thing with it having to be photoshoot conditioned. So I think a lot of these uh, issues around food actually come from your own perception of your own image, really. Um, and I've never really had a heavily invest. I say that I've made a career out of changing people's shapes, but I've never had a, like a, a huge investment in myself in terms of being like emotionally attached to a body fat percentage or anything, you know, so yeah. um, 
It's a good indication that your habits are where they should be though, isn't it? Like it's, obviously it's just like a, it is lifestyle. And I know we kind of preach and it's so Instagram-y to talk about, you know, this is lifestyle, not a diet, but it's not, I mean, that's what it is. It's just the way that you live your life. And it's just the way that um, obviously we're fortunate that you have quite a physical job and that even, even you working online, you probably have a more active lifestyle purely by the way that you are you laughing because that's not what what we want you to tell you a different story no I totally I I was I was very naive actually when I was a trainer um to think that you know it was my training that impacted uh the amount of food that I could consume and uh the different uh different things that I could maybe sweep under the rug or get away with and it was totally not it was entirely to do with the job and the fact that I was on my feet you know, you know yourself, if you do a full, uh, a full day of clients one-to-one, your step count will be like in excess of fifteen to 20,000 steps probably. Um, and now my step count, if I don't actively chase it, will be about 2,000. Um, so I have to, I'm now in that kind of nine to five office worker life that I need to- Going back to the architecture office. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I need to structure uh, like a strategy that allows me to be able to get away with that because the like there is literally like a, almost a thousand calorie difference in the amount of food that I can eat now um, whereas my habits have been honed for like 11 years on the gym floor yeah. to to that's the way that I eat you know and it's only been this year that I've went entirely online so I'm I had to do a little bit of work at the start to change my habits because a portion size for me now unless I want to go and chase 20,000 steps has to be smaller because my expenditure is smaller. Just by the nature. Um, Yeah, just from a personal point of view, I do completely half and half. So four days on the gym floor, three days kind of online, not. Um, And it's a, I find the tail end of the week when it's very laptop based, very difficult in terms of um, keeping on top of activity. Um, And there's always ways around it. There has to be really, doesn't there? No, hundred percent. And it's it's just capitalizing on that structure as well. I suppose like, I don't know if you have an audience of trainers that listen to this, but if, if anybody that, that was a trainer during lockdown, they would have known themselves. Like if you, if you dabbled in online, that there's a lot of things that you have to basically put in place to keep yourself accountable. Like I always thought that I was an early riser by, by habit, but it actually was because I was taking 6 a.m. clients, you know, um, when you, when you don't need to get up and you can sleep in an extra couple of hours, you have to then get, you know a few things in place that allow you to do that um so yeah i think people um think that you are naturally or you're a pt so you you just get up you know with the sun and you (laughs) always look ripped and you just eat tickets like no like those things are still an effort like he's still human like um kevin what's next for you what's next for you and recomp recomposition uh so recomp We'll touch on first because that's the that's the they're the easy ones they're objective um essentially i've written some goals down i've had to like we've grown to a point which is actually pretty crazy <laughs> still kind of like expecting that to be a dream if, if you know like we've grown to a point that's uh the start of lockdown like just before lockdown we kind of went i went fully online uh with recomp wrote a, a strategy just in case i had to go back to the gym floor it's kind of blown up. I've now taken on another coach. Uh, well, we're technically actually a team of four now. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, gr- we're growing to quite a, quite a fast rate. So ideally my game plan with that is just to make sure that 
we keep the quality of service as high as we possibly can and expand that to ideally what be one of the biggest online coaching brands out um, to basically make sure that the service out there is of a high enough standard that you you know we are taking people through a full journey and equipping people you know rather than some other services that aren't so um and then from a personal point of view my other half or my better half uh, is handing a notice and she works for the no i shouldn't say actually because just in case but <laughs> she, uh, she's got a she's got a job uh, full-time at the minute and she is working for me part-time at the minute and she's going to hand in a notice in about four weeks time from now three four weeks time um coming on fully online and possibly going to be one of the most overqualified coaches <laughs> um she's a a scientist by trade and she's got a master's so um yeah we're training her up just now she is not coming on board fully as a coach until she's walked the entire walk so she's doing a photo shoot where she's going to be in insane shape but in december and then she comes on board in january but right now she's the business operations manager keeping us keeping me in check um, but outside of that, the whole game plan for that is as of January, we are moving to Portugal for three months and then spending the next two years traveling. So, yeah, quite exciting. Hopefully, if they don't shut the borders. Oh, my God. Usually people say like, oh, yeah, like it'll be Christmas. And they'll go, oh, my goodness, there's so much going on. Yeah, no wonder you have that kind of focus, though, and that drive because yeah, that well, that's is it. you know, it's, it's creating, insane. It's creating a bit of a lifestyle that, that I've had in the pipeworks since uh, 2017 and now it's actually to the point where it's a reality um, which is quite exciting. <laughs> That's so exciting Fiona because I'm sure you're the same as me you write it all down you map it out and it's when it actually starts off oh, I wrote that and now that's what's happened. Holy yeah, shit like that's and that's the thing see if you break it down into your like essentially your non-negotiables which like, your action steps like it's actually a lot easier than you think like if you're writing it out in a realistic time frame, and then you say, right, well, what do I need to do today to make sure that this week moves me in that direction? Like it's, it is pretty simple. Like when I first went fully online, like I realized that previously when I was on the gym floor, uh, I bottlenecked my own business to an extent. Um, you know, like there is only so many hours that you can trade. And I was like, well, what I don't want to do is to make the same mistakes. I'm going to hire a coach, a business coach, who's seen the problems that I'm going to face and he's going to show me a solution before I reach it, you know? Um, so I've done that and it's, and it's worked a treat. So. Amazing. Um, um, and that's amazing. I think there's so much value in this episode that anyone, maybe no one's considered doing a photo shoot and now they've listened to this and they've thought, you know what, I want to push myself. I want to see what I could do equally. If you are someone who is gearing up to get ready for that photo shoot for the, for the couple of weeks of, hard graft hopefully this has given a good insight into what it takes both from a practical level but also from that internal drive that we've been talking about and i've personally loved hearing a little bit more about you and your business because again we touched on this before we jumped on the call you kind of exploded onto the whole instagram scene everything is so slick it's so professional um the results that you get are amazing and yeah, it's just been really, really good to get a little bit more knowledge about how you do that, your process and the structure. It's been a pleasure to come on, to be fair. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a bit of a, a shock when you reached out. It's funny because I, I remember uh, the first time I clocked onto your own Instagram. Uh, this might sound really small, but it was your, 
your notebooks, your logbooks that you give clients <laughs> and I clicked to the design of them. Uh, yeah, those, yeah, I, I just really liked the minimalist design and I was like, there's a girl that's got an eye for design. Uh, and I didn't realize that you'd done the, the degree in architecture. I just real I could see the design side of it. And I was like, yeah, your service is going to be good because, you know, as a designer, you, you, you have to pick these things apart. So, um, you know, as much as I've exploded on the, the, the Instagram team side of things, it's, uh, it's mostly came through like, you know, 10 years of experience now just being funneled into one point, you know, so. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, and you spot it right away. It's that degree of professionalism and class as well that you don't see a lot of trainers have. Um, and like you mentioned, I'm a big one for aesthetic and I like a like collated Instagram feed. That is like my thing. If yeah. someone's got like a well planned out feed, I'm like, yep, I am yeah, all for that. You must, you maybe like some of the stuff that I've put up there, but not all of it. Cause no, we'll talk <laughs> about your templates. Yeah, Can I close every um, podcast off with a quick fire round? This is just a chance. We've just got to know you very well, but a little bit of trivia about you and um, nothing serious at all. So I'm just <laughs> answer these questions as quickly as you can what is the exercise you most dread doing in your own program oh god um bench press really yeah yeah i've i've just never been good at it like uh, I, I use that relatively like it's still it's still respectable for a commercial gym but i just don't enjoy it never been great at it always much much preferred squats I, I can't squat to save my life. <laughs> Same, actually. That's why I'd done it. Ah, embarrassed by how shit I was at it. So I'd done it enough to get good at it. And then it's funny, like, once you get good at something, you enjoy doing it more. So so much more. But honestly, I think people think you're really good at everything. I'm like, no, my squat is chronic. That'll be the first one. But it makes <laughs> but you feel really good legs. at training it because you know all the kind of tips and tricks to yeah. make it that little bit better. Sorry. Um. Oh, top bucket list travel destination for you, Mike. Oh God, so, do you know, it's something that right now that I can't really pinpoint because I'm like, I want to go everywhere. See, because I have the opportunity to do it now. So we're going to Portugal because it's going to be hot within those like three months that we're going there. Um, and we want to create a stable base. But then after that, we're going to shoot through to Dubai for a bit, then Bali, and then essentially just try and continue going east. But that being said, we don't know what border is going to be open now. So very, very uh, true. yeah. I, I want to be like the typical Instagram wanker and be like, I'm going to go to like Prague for Christmas and see the Christmas markets. Yeah. Like, just do all the top spots. So, yeah. Absolutely. If, by um, the way, if anybody like links us off the back of this podcast and can send me a good destination, definitely hit me up with that because that is something that I need inspiration for. What's the travel tips? And um, what's your protein bar of choice? Oh, uh, have you tried the Carb Killer Salted Caramel Peanut? No, I haven't. Mm, it's the one, the one. Oh, that that or the uh, PhD dark raspberry, dark chocolate raspberry. Oh, I'm a PhD white chocolate. I won't like. I won't deviate. And also because I can't have too many. Like I can't have any at the moment. But just yeah, yeah I'm very very picky. Won't change. I'm a big fan of actually just having like stray protein bars when you go abroad. Like, have you ever done this when you like see, just try some rogue protein bars whenever you go abroad the next time. They are always the weirdest things you ever try. Weirdest. Um, if Nicola closed all of the restaurants in Glasgow, which she may well do, what's the, la what's the place that you would go to for your last meal? That's got to be the butcher shop. Like that is the one. The butcher really? Shop. Yeah, yeah. 
If I'm going cheap, it's going to be Pisano. I was going to say Pisano. Like, is that not like the one? Nah, like I'm a, I'm a stickler for food. I'm actually quite a good cook myself. So if I'm going somewhere for like a steak, they have to be able to cook it better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and butcher shop's one of those places that I'm like, you can, they can cook a tomahawk. Like I had the tomahawk for him. I think it was a graduation meal. I think we went there after because it like after. Um, and they've got good wine. I feel like well. you can't beat it. Do you know what? It is good. Like one of two of my clients came up uh, from London last month. Um, they were seeing Edinburgh and Glasgow, and like, I gave them some food recommendations. And I put Pisano on the list because I was like, as much as they're coming up from London, I know that Pisano is going to like stay up there to a decent degree, you know. Um, and they, they they rated it very highly. So I was. Can you just Google? Um. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Okay. What's your thoughts? Do you know? Do you know what it is? Like, see if see if someone hypes up a movie and then you go see the movie and you're like, mm, it's not that. It was okay, but like if you just went in and seen it yourself, you'd maybe think, oh, that was much better. Like because you're expecting something, that was the same with Sugo. Like I was expecting the the Pisano of pizza, oh, of pasta, pasta. Sorry, and it just wasn't like it was good. It was just nothing amazing. I'm gonna agree with you there. I had high, high hopes. The calories were banked, like the big t-shirt was on so I could eat loads. And I was like, mm. Get the float. Yeah. I made such a fuss about it. Like liking their stuff on Instagram for like three weeks before it opened. And then yeah, wasn't wasn't impressed. Sorry, Sugo, hope you're not listening. Sorry, last <laughs> book, podcast or article you read or listened to? Last book. Um I'm rereading Atomic Habits at the minute. Uh, are you me are you me but it's it's one of those ones i recommend this to every client because it's so applicable to every aspect of life like um and it's it's really just human behavior really isn't it and it's most of you don't actually understand why we do what we do most of the time so if it gives you an insight then i read this in the morning as well uh, which makes me sound oh is that um is that ryan holiday oh my goodness if you listen um he's on with um do you listen to modern wisdom I don't know. Um, Chris Williamson's Modern Wisdom, Ryan Holiday's on there talking about his new book. Um, oh, nice. I'll check it out. I, uh, and the last podcast was yourself <laughs> because you asked me to come on this. I checked out <laughs> a few of you. <laughs> so you thought I'd better check, see what it's yeah, about. Yeah, just double check <laughs> what I'm getting into. Um, and this one, if you could um, give a celebrity the recomp treatment, who would it be? Oh, shit. Um, probably Will Smith. Like, I've, like, I've, always had a thing like i just thought he was a cool guy like i know he doesn't really need a transformation but you know it's like one of those ones that i was like i reckon i'd get on well with him so um, absolutely um kevin if you could talk to a younger kevin Duffy for 30 seconds what would you tell him <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get really fat Ian. <laughs> you know what just fucking back yourself mate like back yourself because you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna make some great strides and regardless of whether it's good or bad, you're going to take a lesson from it and it will end up, I don't know if it's going to end up a good story, but <laughs> it's, it's been fun so far. So just back yourself, have a bit more confidence in it. I love it. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time. This was a bit of an impromptu. We're just going to jump on here and um, see where we go. Um, we're both, as we said at the start, I'm caffeinated up to the eyeballs and pre-workout and cheap, whatever this is. And you're taking your... Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I can't vouch for it for stopping smoking, but Nick, 
is pretty good for mental focus. So. <laughs> well, I can't believe that was where that went. Um, no, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I think everyone is going to find this incredibly, incredibly useful and a great in insight into you and what you do. Thanks very much for having me on. No worries at all. We'll catch up soon. Speak soon. How good was that? Thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time to sit down and chat. We had a really, really good chat both before and after, after our recording. I could pick his brain all day about business, honestly. Um, oh, and the books we were wavering at each other. Fully appreciate that you couldn't see that, but we're sitting on the camera just kind of waving books. Um, Atomic Habits by James Clear was the other one, and The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, which I'm yet to get into though everyone keeps going on about it. it needs to be needs to be read asap um so yeah i hope you really really find that useful if you are thinking maybe you weren't thinking about doing a photo shoot before and you are now who knows or maybe you are just ready to take those first steps into the first structured diet that you've ever done maybe maybe it's always been on and off the wagon thought processes and mentalities and this has opened your eyes into a slightly different way of thinking when it comes to dieting whatever that may be let us know as i said um i will continue to do the podcast i know that you find it valuable from your messages from things that are said in sessions and you know, when someone turns around to me and says no i oh from what you said on the podcast i've been thinking about this so i know things are landing so i will continue to do the podcast if there's anyone or anything that you would specifically like covered please let me know but if you did enjoy this chat with kevin like i said before do us a favor and either screenshot it and share it on your own platforms or send it to someone that you think would really enjoy it or find the benefit of it and um, kevin thank you again so much for your time um it's just me on the podcast next week actually it'll be q a style so if you have any questions for that shoot them on over but i'll be popping them on the old social medias and um, have a great great week and i'll catch up with you all very very soon